Humor and faith. I was going to begin by telling a joke, and then I thought better of that. Have you ever had moments in your life when you just couldn't stop laughing? You were just taken over by something so funny, you just couldn't hold it in. It just kept rolling out the laughter and the laughter and the laughter. Times when no matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't keep from blurting it out. And conversely, have you ever had moments when something was probably very, very funny and you just couldn't laugh because you were so troubled or upset? Life is full of inconsistencies and incongruities and chaos where things don't make sense and how we respond is so very important. As individuals, we can be inconsistent when our behavior doesn't match what we would like it to be. And it's also true in the world with all its craziness, chaos, dysfunction, and turmoil around the world, in our country, everywhere we turn. This morning, I'd like to deal with our response to the incongruities and chaos of our existence. A couple of responses are indifference or despair. But they don't deal with the problem in any helpful way. Humor, humor and faith are intimately related because they do help us understand life by dealing with those incongruities and uncertainties. Humor is concerned with the daily things that just don't make sense and faith with the ultimate ones. Laughter is our reaction to immediate incongruities and chaos in life. Faith is the only possible response to the ultimate incongruities and uncertainties of existence which threaten our very meaning and our very lives. So what is it we laugh at? At the sight of a fool upon the throne of a king? Or a proud person suffering from some indignity? The emperor's new clothes. Or a child interjecting her silliness into mature adult conversation. We laugh at things that are side by side, but that don't necessarily fit together. A child slipping on ice isn't particularly funny. But take a proud, dignified person who's puffed up and overly proud of themselves and let them slip on ice or the proverbial banana peel, and it's funny. We laugh at that, not merely because of the contrast between his or her dignity and the undignified plight strikes strikes us as funny, but because we feel that his or her embarrassment is a poetically just rebuke for that oversense of dignity. There are times when a young child, for instance, will take a toy from another child. And we see this constrained look on the child, and we think it's kind of funny. Unless the child starts crying, then it's not funny. It's certainly no laughing matter when, as a teenager, they're caught shoplifting. 
Or as Burl Pfizer has mused, how come missing teeth look so cute on children and not on older folks? We deal with immediate incongruities in which we are not too seriously involved and which open no gap in the coherence of life in such a way as to threaten us essentially. There are deeper incongruities, however, that do contain such a threat. But before we look at those deeper incongruities, let's look just a moment longer at humor. Some years ago in West Hollywood, Florida, voters elected a mayor and then defeated on the very same ballot a proposal to incorporate the town with the result that Frank Pullage was the mayor of no place. Well, he better have had a sense of humor or he's never going to get over that humiliation. It's important to have a sense of humor in life, otherwise everything is taken so darn seriously that life itself becomes a burden and we get overwhelmed. A sense of humor reduces the friction of life and makes our little mistakes more tolerable. There is in the laughter with which we observe and greet the shortcomings of others a nice mixture of mercy and judgment. We wouldn't laugh if we thought these shortcomings were altogether fitting and proper. There is judgment, therefore, in our laughter. But we also prove by the laughter that we do not take the annoyance too seriously. I'm reminded of the preacher who said to his congregation, everybody who wants to go to heaven, stand up. And everybody stood up except one guy in the front row. And so the preacher said, you, sir, are you telling us that you don't want to go to heaven? When I die, yes, the man replied. I thought you were getting a group to go now. (laughs) Humor is just another defense against the universe said movie writer and director Mel Brooks. You see, laughter can be a shock absorber that softens the minor bumps of life. Give me a sense of humor, Lord. Give me the grace to see a joke, to get some pleasure out of life and pass it on to other folk. Give me sympathy and sense and help keep my courage high. Give me calm and confidence and please a twinkle in my eye. You've probably heard the expression, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. That's the way we get past many of the daily discouragements we face, and there are certainly many things going on in the world that cause us to say, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. And yet, some things just can't be laughed at. Serious situations must be seriously dealt with, Leo Eichmann once observed the most valuable sense of humor is the kind that enables a person to see instantly what it isn't safe to laugh at. To go back to the image of the proud person of dignity being embarrassed by some particular mishap, I want to share with you a scene as described by John Kiesler on the tightrope nature of humor. Imagine the scene. A formal, stuffy affair is being held in a swank ballroom. The orchestra puts forth measured music and people dance slowly, correctly. Suddenly, a man is seen standing on the balcony above, glaring down a pompous, heavy-set figure who gives off vibrations of disapproval, disdain, 
and a certain fearsome, if overdone, dignity. The music falters and fades out, and the dancers stop. Arrogantly, the man starts to descend the beautiful, curving staircase. And at the first step, he he slips and falls on his keister. A snicker or two is heard, quickly controlled, and he keeps falling, clumpity-clump, more muffled laughter, for he is doing one of the world's greatest pratfalls. Now, somersaulting down, he careens off the wall at the second landing and keeps falling, and people begin to roar. He reaches the bottom of the staircase, the crowd's howling with mirth, and slides out onto the polished floor, and he's dead. When you can figure out exactly which step it was when it stopped being funny, you know what humor is. Laughter is our reaction to the more surface-level incongruities and the chaos we often experience in living. But faith is the only possible response to the ultimate incongruities and uncertainties of existence which threaten the very meaning of our lives. And so when we mortal creatures who are able to contemplate eternal life but not control it are faced with the incongruity of death, we choose either despair or faith. Scripture doesn't contain much laughter and humor. In fact, the second psalm that was our first reading that be read for us is the only place in the Bible where God is pictured laughing. It's the only place. Scripture does, however, deal with faith. Humor is kind of like the beginning of faith. It deals with the light things of life while Faith deals with the deeper things of life. At the beginning of the 20th century, philosopher William James, some of you may have read William James once upon a time, he gave a lecture on cosmology. And following his presentation, a woman came up to him and said, you know, Professor James, the world is resting on the back of a turtle. On the back of a turtle, he puzzled. Yes, on the back of a turtle. Then what, dear madam, is holding up the turtle? He asked. Why, another turtle, replied the woman. She could see the look on his face, knew what he was about to ask, and she said, before you ask it, professor, it's turtles all the way down. (laughs) That kind of humor dealing with the uncertainties and unknown realities of life is a healthy way of dealing with that, not pretending to make things up or control things. I have a preacher friend who tells one funny story after another in his sermons, and initially people really like that. But it doesn't really go anywhere. And so after being entertained for a while, people get tired of it because What about the deeper issues of life? Our very position in the universe is incongruous and tenuous. And that is where the connective tissue of faith and not humor comes in. We are so great, and yet we are so small. So significant, and yet so insignificant. 
And this incongruity can be summed up by the saying, by saying with the psalmist who says both of these things. The psalmist in one place says that we are little less than gods. We are little less than gods. Imagine that. And yet at another point, the psalmist says, we are little more than animals. In fact, we are dust. Well, rather than to despair, our faith leads us to great hope. And our faith must always include the cross of Christ. You know, every once in a while I hear these, uh, people think they're funny, but they're, well, these Jesus jokes. And um, there's a lot of things that I love to laugh at, but Jesus jokes aren't one of them. Especially when they make light of his sacrifice on the cross. I discovered that most of the people who laugh at those kind of jokes are people who don't realize the real significance of the cross. The cross is no laughing matter. There is no humor in the scene of Christ on the cross. The only humor on Calvary is the jeering laughter of those who cried, He saved others! Let him save himself! If he be the Son of God, let him come down from the cross. They mocked with humor and sarcasm. And the ironic inscription on the cross that was ordered by Pilate that said, King of the Jews. Well, these ironic observations were the natural reactions of common sense to dimensions of revelation which go beyond common sense. And since they could not be comprehended by faith, they prompted ironic humor. There is no humor in the cross because the judgment and mercy of God are fully revealed in it. If you'll recall, you remember I said that judgment and mercy are enacted when we laugh at the shortcomings of each other and at ourselves. The seemingly incongruous responses of judgment and mercy also come together in the cross. Because God suffers the consequences of humanity's rebellion against God, and this is the main disclosure of God in Christ. To meet the disappointments and frustrations of life with laughter, that is a high form of wisdom. Laughter is necessary at times if we're going to keep our sanity. But there's a limit to laughter in dealing with life's frustrations and life's deepest difficulties. For the ultimate incongruities of human existence can't simply be laughed off. We cannot, laugh, we cannot laugh at death, though we try to do that at times. Either we have a faith from the standpoint in which we are able to say, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Or we are overwhelmed by the incongruity of death, and we're forced to say with the writer of Ecclesiastes, I said my heart concerning the estate of the sons and daughters of people, that they might see that they themselves are beasts, for that which befalls the sons and daughters of people befalls beasts. As one dies, so dies the other. Yes, they all have one breath so that a person has no preeminence above a beast. For all is vanity. 
One of the great thinkers and theologians of the last century, Reinhold Niebuhr, a son of our beloved United Church of Christ, says this about the Christian faith. The Christian faith declares that the ultimate order and meaning of the world lies in the power and wisdom of God, who is both Lord of the whole world and creation and creator of human spirits. It believes that the incongruities of human existence are finally overcome by the power and the love of God, and that the love which Christ revealed is finally sufficient to overcome the contradiction of death. What I'm suggesting this morning is that some sense of balance is needed in our lives between humor and faith. A sense of humor remains healthy when it helps us deal with the obvious and chaotic irrationalities of life. It must move toward faith or sink into despair when the ultimate issues are raised. And so we can close with these words of faith by the poet Patrick Overton. When you come to the edge of all the light that you have and must take a step into the darkness of the unknown, believe that one of two things will happen to you. Either there will be something solid for you to stand on or you will be given wings to fly. Humor and faith. May you all be blessed with both. Amen.